Howdy, everyone. This is David Sanchez, and this is episode number 26 of the Riffs or Die podcast for February 2, 2021. How's it going, everybody? You doing all right over there? I certainly hope you is. I hope you was. I hope you am. I hope you will. Well, on this episode, we've got a special one. This is a swap cast, as they say. I swapped podcasts with my buddy, John Munyer. John Munyer is a bassist. He's a respiratory therapist, audio engineer, DDP yoga instructor, falconer, and he's the host of the Too Many Strings podcast. The Too Many Strings podcast is the one that I'm doing the swap cast with here. You'll find out in this talk why his podcast is called that. And uh, in this podcast, you'll probably notice that I seem to gloss over his uh, mention of doing some work and being mobile on the road. Now, I talked to John after we did this podcast and kind of apologized for that. It may have seemed like I was disinterested or something, which is completely not the case. I just know that I value my own privacy and I value the privacy of other people. And, you know, I'm not one to pry or try to get into other people's business. Case in point, if you listen to this podcast and you've heard me read emails from people, I don't say who the email is from because uh, I believe people deserve some sort of anonymity and privacy. I'm just not one to go around and gossip or try to dig into people's personal lives. I've got enough stuff going on in my own life. I don't need to dig into other people's (laughs) dirty laundry. So I wasn't sure if it was kosher to start grilling him about his work and stuff when he was mentioning he's mobile and on the road. I didn't want to be like, hey, man, tell me all about your work. I didn't know if that was cool. So I talked to him afterwards. He said it was totally cool, would have been fine. So what he does for work is very interesting, and I'll have to definitely have him on the podcast again to chit-chat because we got to talking during that phone call after recording this podcast And there was a good 20, 30 minutes that I wish we would have recorded to slap on to this thing. We had a good chat about current things going on in the world, but, uh, you know, his work as a respiratory therapist is ultra relevant to what's going on with this pandemic and stuff. And he had some very interesting insight into what's going on right now. And it's information that I think is definitely worth sharing, so... I'd like to get him on here again, maybe sometime next month. So we can talk about that. We can talk about his DDP, that'd be Diamond Dallas Page, yoga instruction. But that stuff aside, in this episode, we dove into stringed furniture, aka basses and guitars. And we also talked about podcasting and one of his other hobbies, falconry, where you basically train a bird to help you hunt. I learned a lot of stuff during this talk, and in listening back to it, it made me realize, like, I need to be a little more patient and be a better listener, so (laughs) I apologize if I'm stepping on some toes here in this interview. I definitely will get better at that, but, you know, sometimes it's hard to have a conversation like this where you have uh, 5,000 miles in between the other person and myself, and we have no visual cues to go off of each other. only listening on the phone call. So John and I both talked about it. And next time we do it, we'll definitely do it over FaceTime or Zoom or Instagram video or something like that. 
just to make the conversation feel a little bit more in person. So my apologies if there's a little bit too much of talking over one another, but we did the best we could. Please bear with me on that and know that it's going to get better, folks. I'm trying to fix my shit, man. As always, if you guys have any questions or comments for the podcast, please write them into podcast at riffsordie.com. If you want to support the podcast, you can go to riffsordie.com and pick up some merch, or you can go to patreon.com slash riffsordie and sign up to get your hands on handwritten lyrics, live Zoom hangouts, bonus episodes, discounts at riffsordie.com, free merch, and a whole bunch of other stuff. Again, that's patreon.com slash riffs or die. If you dig the podcast and you want to dig up the hidden episodes, you have to go to Patreon and subscribe there. And you can do it for as little as $5 a month. It's a tremendous help to me with all the touring and kind of everything that I do for a living off the table at the moment between working at music venues and being a touring musician. All my work has dried up. So this is kind of how I'm staying afloat during this pandemic era that we live in. If you can't spare the five bucks a month, I completely understand. I'm not in a position to do that either. But if you can and you enjoy the podcast and want to support it, that's a great way to do it. To everybody that's already subscribed and signed up on Patreon, thank you very much for your subscription. It means a lot to me. And one more side note here for this interview. I misspoke in one part of it. And I'd like to correct it and clear my name for the record, just so I'm not giving people wrong information. There's a quote in here that I dropped, common sense is not common. In the interview, I attributed the quote to Thomas Paine, but it wasn't Thomas Paine that said it. It was another philosopher in the 1700s, same time, but the quote is attributed to Voltaire, not Thomas Paine. So forgive my ignorance and speak in lies not trying to lie to you guys, so here I am correcting it preemptively. So please forgive that in the interview here. Voltaire was a French Enlightenment writer. He was a historian, philosopher, uh, kind of a comedian, and a huge advocate for free speech, and basically all the things that would fall under the First Amendment in the United States today. Well, maybe not today, but (laughs) on the paper. (laughs) Anyway, I want to get that out there and get it correct because I'm trying to better myself and I hope that message can be somewhat infectious because we can all definitely do better. So this intro that you're about to listen to is from Jonathan's Too Many Strings podcast. And the reason I'm keeping his intro and his outro in here is just so you guys can hear a full episode of his podcast And I encourage you to go and check out his other podcasts. He's had Derek Green on. He's spoken with Will Duvall from Alice in Chains. And a bunch of other great, great musicians, mostly revolving in the bass world. But check those out. And don't anticipate me coming back on here for an outro at the end of this episode. I'm just going to let John's outro be the outro for this one. So that's it from me solo on this episode thanks a lot for listening everybody i hope you enjoy this swap cast and i look forward to talking to this man again
This dude's knowledgeable about a whole lot of things, and it's a pleasure to get to know him better every single time we speak. Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. John Munyer. Hey, what's up, everybody? Thank you again so very much for joining me for another week of the Too Many Strings podcast. I will start off like I always do by shouting out and giving some love to the companies whose products that I love to play and use. That being Warwick Basses, Richter Straps, Personas, Red Panda Pedals, Telefunken Mics, Morley Pedals, Intune Guitar Picks, GHS Strings, Inky Cases, Dark Glass Electronics, and Bartolini Pickups. And this week I was fortunate enough to be able to catch up with yet another good friend, David Sanchez from uh, the band Havoc. If you all haven't heard of Havoc, uh, shame on you, you should. Um, he is the vocalist and one of the guitarists for the band. He, uh, gosh, I met him six, seven, eight or so years ago at an AM show. And uh, we've always kind of bumped into each other, um, caught up from time to time, hung out occasionally, uh, pretty much ever since then. Each time we get a chance to catch up, and uh, each time I've gotten a chance to uh, see one of their shows, it's always been a good time catching up and hanging out. So he's a funny dude. Um, I really hope that you guys uh, get as much out of this conversation as I had fun recording it with him. So without further ado, I will go ahead and turn things over to the conversation and uh, quick hangout that uh, I did with David. So here we go. Right, so we are rolling. What is up, my friend? How's it been going? Things are as well as they can be, given the circumstances. I feel like we're living in uh, the Empire Strikes Back or like the second Lord of the Rings or something. Yeah, or um, <laughs> you could almost even <laughs> yeah yeah you could you could actually almost go as far as even saying uh, you know the sequel trilogy. <laughs> You know, it's like the first first order, like you know, all over again. You know, from the uh, from the first empire. <laughs> it's like I don't know. It's it's going to be really interesting to see um, just how much worse it's going to get before it gets better. If it does get better, <laughs> interesting is the definitely the word. But uh, I, I'm doing well, and, and I do think it's fascinating that we're alive um, to see. <laughs> what's going on in the world right now the stage is set for like checkmate for what someone's what some would call a, a new world order the the stage is totally set the chessboard is all set up and rigged for it to go down like that but we're living in a time where we might actually see the move happen it's been a slow gradual crawl but we might see the the final piece that moves it into checkmate here shortly yeah, I am. I'm not really too far behind you on that line of thought. Um, it could have been. I think the process could have been sped up drastically had uh, there been some organization and some weapons involved <laughs> in, in recent events. But uh, yeah, um, as you just recently discussed on your podcast, you know, I uh, yeah, I was very interested to see. You know, I had some friends in D.C. recently as well. And, uh, yeah, I, um, <laughs> nobody that actually entered the, uh, the Capitol building or anything like that, but, um, yeah, it's, it's going to be interesting to see how all this plays out. And I don't, I don't know if it'll happen 
for sure in our lifetime. I mean, it, it very well could, but uh, the generation I feel sorry for is like my kids' generation. Um, you know, I I'm just not really sure how things are going to look for them. Yeah, strange, <laughs> you know? strange world to grow up um, to grow up in right now as a as a young kid, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, just think of how much change we've seen in our lifetime. I mean, we've gone from um, landlines and no internet to dial-up to analog cell phones to everything that we have now. Yeah, and, now uh, people have Star Trek yeah. watches on their wrist, you know, where you can see someone's <laughs> face and yeah. talk to them in real time with your watch. Yeah, yeah, it's it's nuts, man. But, yeah, I mean... All things considered, I am glad that you've been doing well. And are you still actually? Are you still in Hawaii right now? Or yeah, I'm. I'm living on the island of Oahu. I'm a couple blocks from the ocean, and uh, I'm taking advantage of this time where we don't have any tours going on. There's no reason that I really have to be in the continental U.S. So my girlfriend lives here and said, "Hey, do you want to come out here since touring isn't happening and spend winter here?" I said. Uh, Yep, I've I've spent you know about thirty <laughs> winters in um, in Colorado and, and been cold and snowy and right. It's a welcome change of pace. I don't know if I'll ever get the opportunity to do something like this again. So of course I'm going to take it. Well, sure. Yeah, I mean if you uh, if you don't have any other strings attached to uh, you know to life right now that is going to hold you to uh the ice planet of of hoth for uh <laughs> for for a winter then why the hell would you you know yeah that's kind of exactly a, a no-brainer yeah I, I, yeah I work um obviously i tour and playing with havoc and and that's all gone and also i work at music venues doing sound and obviously those are all closed right now too so there's not really anything that i have to be in colorado for at the moment so i'm out here and I'm trying to learn how to surf um, get out in the ocean every once in a while. <laughs> I want to do more fishing. And I'm just generally enjoying the amount of snow I don't have to shovel. Yeah, no, I feel you, dude. I um, I totally feel you. I'm actually uh, I'm actually getting ready to, to head back to Indiana, which, I mean, we've had mild winters uh, the past handful of years there. But um, ironically enough, they just got some snow. So I'm going to be leaving snow to go back to snow <laughs> just not it's not quite as much but yeah i mean i'm 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 not gonna lie i'm a little uh a little envious of um of being able to soak in all the uh the wholesome goodness that i'm sure hawaii is but uh yeah, yeah i actually just finished my my life yeah yeah i mean it's i, I just finished my last shift my last shift in uh wyoming here last night and um i'm actually going to be heading to denver here in just a little bit i'm gonna swing through and and say hey to nick and stuff and then uh oh awesome about i think on yeah i think on friday um i'm gonna meet up with some other falconer friends of mine and i might go on a hunt with them uh they live about they live in elbert you know where elbert is it's yes. about like a an hour from from denver yeah 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 they live around there and yeah so i'm gonna go hawking with them probably for a little bit and uh and then on saturday finish heading home the rest of the way after that so yeah it's uh it's been interesting like i've told a bunch of my other friends it's uh 
it's it's been kind of interesting living the long term touring life for uh, <laughs> for the last like seven months ish or whatever, yeah. and just not having any of the fun that that goes into touring, <laughs> <laughs> right? But living out of a backpack, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, a couple suitcases, backpack. I did have my bases with me and, of course, my recording gear and stuff so I can still do uh, these podcasts and, uh, you know, other little projects here and there. But, but yeah, so, I mean, how much longer are you going to be in Hawaii then? Uh, I'm not entirely sure, but I'm guessing I'll probably go back to Denver in the late spring, maybe in, like, May, maybe maybe later than that. Oh, I'm, not, I'm not sure yet, but... Um, you know, there's nothing I'm in a huge rush to get back for. Like I said, all the music venues are closed. Touring is off the table. So it, it's it, yeah. it's not a you know, huge priority that I need to make it back to Colorado immediately. And like you, I've got my podcasting sure. and recording gear here. And I started a podcast. And that's one thing that's been keeping me very busy while I'm out here in Hawaii. It's called the Riffs or Die podcast. And... Um, I talk a little bit about music, but it's also just kind of mental diarrhea from David Sanchez. And I I just (laughs) speak about whatever's on my mind. And occasionally I have guests on, but most of the time it's me talking to myself like a crazy person. But for fans of Havoc and uh, people that dig our lyrics and music and stuff might be into it. You can find it real easy on Spotify, YouTube, all the places you would listen to a podcast. People just need to look up riffs or die. Yeah. Yeah, man. It's, um, I've been listening since it started up. Um, you know, I, I, any, any friends of mine that I've seen that have, uh, you know, started that kind of thing up or, you know, Twitch streams or I try and tune in and, you know, I don't know about you, but, um, (laughs) it's the only thing that's, that's helped fill some, some major voids, um, you know, here in this last year. And, I was glad when another friend, um, you know, such as yourself started, started up another podcast because as much driving as I do anyway, it's, it's been nice having something else to kind of fill those, those time gaps. And, uh, you know, it's like, you know, kind of like hanging out with, with, uh, a, a very poor substitute for for hanging out with with friends that you you know who the hell knows when you're ever going to get to see in person again. So <clears> I've <throat> I've been I've been enjoying it. Um, you know I uh, well, thanks as, as you recall. You know when it, yeah yeah yeah. I mean as 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 you recall, like whenever I I dropped you that message and you mentioned uh, Jekyll Island and uh, and a couple other things when you were talking about you know the whole Tesla you know J P Morgan you know Chase that that whole kind of yeah you know. The whatever that that whole rigmarole i was just like you know that's that's funny you know i mean it's 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 kind of cool you know hearing different things brought up that and then it's, it's like i said it's almost kind of like you know talking a little bit rather it's it's a little bit more internal <laughs> i guess but it's like oh it's like you know this this would have actually made a, a cool conversation had we you know been able to be in person <laughs> yeah for but, sure uh, I, I think a lot of the stuff that i talk about on the podcast it's kind of like a conversation but um, you can't talk back to me, whoever's listening, but I try to make it fairly conversational and, uh, you know, not like I'm just reading an essay. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, you know, I, the, the podcasts that I do, I try to mainly just do mainly just do guests and, you know, have it more conversation based as well, rather than, you know, feeling kind of like a, uh, you know, like a formal interview. You know, I, I don't 
I don't really get that vibe. It's just not the way I prefer to, to do stuff. Um, I, I like to keep things as like aesthetic as possible as if you really were like listening to a conversation between, you know, two friends rather than just like a straight up interview, you know, but like, you know, everybody's got what it's, it's kind of interesting though. It's like, everybody's got their own, you know, style and preference and, and it's, it's all cool. I mean, it's just, it's kind of like recording and, and playing an instrument. I mean, you kind of develop your own style of, of doing it like as time goes on. For yeah, sure. Have you, have you noticed that also? Yeah, absolutely. And and I do like doing the episodes where I have a guest on. It's a little bit more editing, and obviously the scheduling is a factor. And a big reason that I do a lot of them by myself is I wanted to know for sure that I could do it myself, so I wouldn't have to always rely on having a guest every time I wanted to see like if I could do it um solo you know that way just i can do it when i have the time and I, I don't have a strict schedule to to abide by but i do really enjoy doing the ones where I, i'm talking with someone else but i guess part of it was just when i'm doing um when i'm writing music or if i'm mixing or mastering another artist's stuff in my studio um i'm kind of just like in solitude and working on my own schedule. And I really, I really like that. I, I have a big, uh, special place in my, <laughs> in my heart for solitude. I think it's a special thing. <laughs> and, um, I, I wanted to make sure that I could do it by myself just that way. You know, once I do start having guests on more regularly, I, I didn't want it to be weird if all of a sudden there's an episode and it's just me talking to myself. And it was a big learning experience, and it still is. I'm still learning, but uh, it's fairly challenging at times to just talk to yourself and um, keep it interesting and have something to say. <laughs> I really admire like Bill Burr and, and guys like that that can just roll by themselves. Dan Carlin. There, there's a few podcasters that are just doing it solo, and they can just gab and gab and gab and keep your attention. I think that's really... Um, really interesting, and I wanted to test myself and see if I could do that. And I've, I'm finding out that I can do it, so it's good just because, you know, every once in a while, I'll, I'll have more guests eventually, and every once in a while, it'll be a podcast with just me solo, and I don't want people to be, like, horrified. Like, what the fuck is he doing? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I feel you, dude. I, you know, I, I have thought about doing an occasional, I don't know, just like an experimental you know, type episode like that. Um, but what I found is I really just, I, you know, <laughs> I, I, I stumble on myself a lot. You know, if I, if I try and just talk and there's nobody else there and I'm just kind of, well, you know, quote unquote riffing, you know, like Bill Burr and, and those guys do with their, you know, podcasts. And, and if there's not somebody else there, I, I don't know. I, I guess it's, it's still kind of a crutch for me personally it, it's, like it's hard i, I, I learned I don't, it, it's very <laughs> it's not as easy as it seems to sit there and talk to yourself no on, on a, into a microphone for an hour no it's you know i mean the i'm sure that if i started committing to it that i would probably be like yourself and that i know like it would probably end up being actually pretty therapeutic for me if i did it that way um and and got comfortable doing it that way but right 
right now it's like I don't know. Like I, I feel like half the time I've kind of already on the the line that that fine line edge of insanity as it is. And if I start like talking to myself, I'm afraid it's just <laughs> it's just going to become like this this like major habit or some shit. You know, it's, it's like going to take which over. Which wouldn't necessarily be like a bad thing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But you know, I mean, I you know, it's I, I know it's whenever you start having the conversation with with yourself is whenever you need to start to worry. But you know, um, <laughs> I do but, I do it on a weekly I mean, basis. For, for, <laughs> I know, I know. I mean, and and you know what? It's it's entertaining, and I enjoy it. So I hope you continue to do it. And uh, yeah, I mean, it's I I do like a lot of the topics that you cover. I I like the um, the the think tank, you know, the 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 thought machine aspect of it. You know, it's uh, it's really cool that that you are willing to talk about a lot of things that you know on on the surface, you know, a lot of people would initially probably you know, just not want to listen to, but, you know, if you actually start to listen to somebody talk about things that you normally even wouldn't find interesting, which, I mean, I find all the Tesla stuff and I find a lot of the things that we aren't taught very readily anymore in school, you know, about history and mm-hmm. the way things have evolved. Um, I find all that stuff incredibly interesting personally. Yeah, but me too. I, what I'm hoping is, yeah, I mean, what I'm what I'm hoping though is is more people will catch on to those kind of topics and want to actually listen to people who have actually done some homework on it, you know, and and actually taken some time to, you know, familiarize themselves enough to where they can actually, you know, talk about the stuff and spew the stuff out, you know, like you do, and it you know makes sense, like rational sense, <laughs> you know. Like it, it, it's just uh, like I, I really think that that we need that more in in our time right now, is our society in general. Yeah, for sure. <clears throat> yeah. Unfortunately, critical thinking doesn't seem to be taught in schools. Um, who who knows if it ever even was when I was in school? But uh, you know, it, it seems like common sense is not common. Unfortunately. Thomas Paine said that back in the 1700s, and sadly, it's still true in this era where we appear on the surface to be so enlightened by all of our technology and the things that we have and take for granted. But uh, I think the technology evolves faster than we do as a species. But, um, you know, when when I'm talking to myself on those podcasts, I really do enjoy the parts where I get to read questions from people that write in. Because that is the part that makes it more conversational, and I can actually uh, shoot from the hip uh, even more so than I already do in the podcast, and hopefully answer people's questions and have them interact with the show more. That stuff is really fun for me to do. So even though I'm recording it all by myself, it is somewhat interactive and conversational just because there's people that are writing in and I get to respond to those questions. Yeah, no, I, I enjoy that part of it too, and and I'm sure that having that like, see, it helps that that you're already kind of like an established artist, you know, with a decent fan base for the most part. That you can that you can have that like resource to add like another dimension to your to your production, and uh, I I do enjoy that a lot too because every so often someone you know there, there's always questions that are going to get sent in that you either are going to be like, oh, well, I actually didn't know that, <laughs> you know, or, or uh, you know, just, you know, it's, it, it helps other people learn 
you know, when other, other people like send in questions and stuff too. So for sure. But yeah. I mean, I can totally see where it would help you even riff, you know, help you riff even more, you know, over just, um, and just give you extra content ideas that you don't just have to sit there and, and think of yourself for an extra, you know, 15 or 20 minutes or whatever. Yeah. Uh, that you ab- dedicate absolutely. to that part of your, of your podcast. Yeah. Someone yeah. just throw, throws the ball over my way and I, I get to hit it, you know, instead of me just like swinging for <laughs> the fences by myself. But, um, when it comes to topics to talk about on my podcast, I, whenever I get an idea of something that might be interesting to speak to, I'll write it down in the notes in my phone and just, I've got a running list of a bunch of different topics that I could, you know, riff on, um, by myself. And, and I just constantly tweak that and add things to it. Yeah. I mean, having, having bullet point topics to kind of, um, you know, just kind of refer to, so at least you can keep, I don't know, a little bit of continuity to your, to your line of thought and maybe segue a little bit in between. It does help for sure. That's, that's kind of what I do with, uh, with my other like falconry based podcast is, uh, you know, I'll, I'll talk to, you know, whoever I'm, I'm having on as a guest and just be like, all right, well, we, let's discuss, you know, three or four main things. And then I'll just naturally segue us between those topics. And, you know, without that, you, you get a lot of ums and, <laughs> and just dead, you know, just dead air. So yeah, it's, it's a nice tremendous help on reference. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. It's like having a syllabus and you're a teacher or something. You got to stay on track. Yeah. For, you do the falconing stuff. And <laughs> yeah, it's, I think that shit is so fascinating. Um, you said you were going to be going for a hunt with with some birds, right? In uh, Albert, in Colorado. Uh huh. Yeah, I've got a um, I've got a couple of uh, friends that kind of commute back and forth right now. I think they're going to permanently end up living in Colorado before too long. Mm-hmm. But right now, they kind of go back and forth between living in Illinois and in Colorado, and uh, they fly a species of hawk that I've flown a few times before um, called Harris hawks. I don't know mm-hmm. if you've ever heard of Harris hawks or not. I've heard but, of them. Um, yeah, I've heard Harris of them. Harris hawks. Maybe yeah, from okay, you, cool. honestly. Yeah, so. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, <laughs> I got you. Yeah, I know. Like, it's what, what, what separates Harris hawks from other types of hawks that makes them really fun and adds a little bit more of a, of a dynamic to being able to train them to hunt with you is they're, um, they're a very social, like they're the most social form of, of hawk. So they actually hunt in casts in the wild. Like if you went to Arizona, yeah, if you went to like Arizona or yeah, other like desert areas where they're native to, um, like you would, you would commonly see them, um, kind of stay in, in like familial, like groups of, you know, a handful of birds or so. And uh, they actually work together and coordinate their hunts to actually, um, you know, catch prey easier. So, like, one bird will flush, you know, or get, like, a rabbit going, for example, and then another bird will be feeding off of, uh, you know, where the other bird's leading that rabbit. And if one bird misses, then the other bird will be right behind it to, you know, crash down and and try and get – I mean, it's – yeah, it's it's very – it's very cool because, I mean, most other species of hawk, you know, you put – you put – a couple of them together and they're just going to try and kill each other. You know, it's, it's like, sure. so it's, it's neat. It's neat having that, that dynamic. And it's really cool. Um, watching a couple of, of Harris's 
hunt together and when it, when it goes right anyway <laughs> if if one's a little if one's a little off or or being kind of lazy and just kind of waiting for the other one to do the work which happens sometimes uh you know getting them out of those habits and getting them both like really focused on hunting can be a challenge initially at times with it but but yeah it's it's really neat to be able to uh you know take any bird of prey whether it be uh from the wild or captive bred or you know, whatever and just you know going out and and training it to be a hunting partner and getting it to accept you to do you know what it normally does anyway in the wild um but but yeah i mean um you know there's also a lot of downsides to it i actually had a a smaller falcon recently um called a merlin it's like one of the it's like the second smallest uh falcon native to our country yeah and uh you know i was i was training it and uh you know, I was lure, you know, training it to, to lure fly and stuff. And, and, uh, yeah, for whatever reason, just, I, I mean, I had done, I had her at the same weight, the same conditions and everything. Um, but for whatever reason, she decided to, to catch some wind and take off on me, um, the oh, other day. Man. And, and like, uh, you know, the more that they start kind of doing that, and the longer it takes them to get back, the less likely you're going to have really to, to get them back. So I ended up like tracking her. I knew exactly where she was one night before I went to work here. And, uh, I knew exactly where she was. I was like, okay, I'll just come back first thing in the morning and try and get her back. And so I came back first thing the next morning, right at sunrise, right after I got off work and, uh, got out my, my telemetry and, and was tracking, you know, where the, where the transmitter was and like, you know, I had a GPS transmitter on her as well. So like I could tell exactly where she was or where the transmitter was. So I was going sure. around looking and, and I had the other, you know, just traditional telemetry receiver out and, you know, the beeps were kind of quiet, whatever. And then like I pointed to the ground, it got really loud and I was just like, oh, this isn't good. So sure enough, I looked down and like the, the, the little harness that you put on a bird, like the, it's called like a track pack, mm-hmm. but that little harness and the transmitter were on the ground with no, with no bird. <laughs> so, so something, uh, something made her a, a, a tasty meal through that night. Oh, I'm man. pretty sure is probably like an owl or, or something like that. So there's, you know, that's, that's the bad thing about it. There's like a million and one ways to, to lose a bird and for sure, you know, I mean, bad things usually happen more often than not, but, but, uh, but yeah, man, um, it seems like a super challenging thing to train a bird like that. It's, it is, it's, it's very challenging. And, uh, you know, there's, there's a specific way that, you need to do things. And if you don't do those things a certain way, then the bird's not going to either develop a, a decent, uh, like understanding and relationship with you and will likely fly off or you'll end up just having to release it because it's not going to, you know, man down enough for you to really be able to do anything with it as a partner. So yeah, there's a lot of things that go into it and, and there's a lot of things that, uh, that can go wrong with it so but you know whenever it goes right whenever those things go right there's there's nothing else um that can replace the feeling and just uh just the awesomeness of of seeing this bird get to like you know do what it does with you you like in in the wild um 
Yeah, that's so fucking cool. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, but, yeah, at some point, and I don't know, while we're both still alive, it would be cool to, you know, bring you out, you know, on a hunt or something so you could see it in person. I would love to do that. That'd be super cool. (laughs) Well, I mean, whenever you get back, whenever you get back in the States and – you know, I mean, if you're going to be gone, like until <clears throat> some, there's usually nothing going on during the summer months anyway, for the most part, all the birds are, are molting and getting new feathers in. Right. And, uh, most spe- most species of prey are out of season to hunt anyway. So, sure. you know, like it, at some point, you know, if you have time like next fall or something like that, you know, I mean, you, you know, you're always more than welcome to, to come and, and hang out and you can spend a weekend and, I take you out hunting with the with the gang, and you can hear us just slam each other like constantly, and and just give each other just constant shit, and uh, you know have fun watching birds fly, and hopefully catch some bunnies and squirrels and other shit. So hell yeah, I I, I would love to do that. Uh, we'll definitely keep in touch about doing that. But I wanted to ask you, so those birds, when you go on a hunt, uh, you you just mentioned rabbits and squirrels, but is there anything else that you can train them to go for oh sure oh definitely um i mean the 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 key is is to you know identify which prey species are abundant in the area in which you are living or have readily accessible sure so you know like obviously where i'm at if you wanted to hunt like sage grouse or pheasant or any kind of like other upland game, well, mm-hmm. then you're just going to have to move, <laughs> you know, right. or yeah. you're going to have to just, you know, make a trip out West and, you know, frequently, um, you know, to hunt those species because they just don't exist where I live in Indiana. So sure. like, you know, if you're, if, if you're wanting to hunt like rabbit and squirrel and stuff like that, well then my area is perfect. Um, but you also, need to identify you know which species are the best at taking those prey items as well those prey species so like you know red tail hawks harris hawks goss hawks um you know a lot of your your middle you know medium to large size species um do real well in the area in which i live you could theoretically you know flies you know long wings or aka falcons in my area too but they would need to be either the smaller species like the american kestrels or merlins um you could do like smaller peregrines or stuff like that in my area too but it would be a little bit more challenging um because you know i mean there's a lot we get a lot of ducks and a lot of uh doves and and other stuff in our area too that are cool to hunt but the setups and the type of um, what we call slips, you know, like the actual flushing of the of the prey to for the bird to to try and, and catch, yeah, like those those are a little bit more challenging where I live for for that particular species of of raptor. So it's uh, yeah, I mean, there's there's all kinds of different stuff. I mean, it's really fun trying to catch um, you know European starlings and the house sparrows. And, uh, you know, which are invasive species that you can actually just hunt year around and, and they actually love you doing that because, you know, those, those species actually kill other songbird species and are very invasive. Like, uh, you know, so 
I didn't know if you knew this or not, but like the DNR in most states, they don't really put any kind of restrictions on hunting starlings or sparrows because they came from, you know, overseas, like Europe initially. Mm -hmm. And so like whenever they brought like over these, whenever they brought these birds over, they only brought like a hundred something of like each of these birds and those bred and proliferated to the millions upon millions of these birds that you see all the time in our country now. Mm. And what they do is they, they invade other um, like songbird species that are protected and, and stuff, you know, they invade these other birds nests and they'll, peck out like the the head they'll like peck the heads of the the babies and stuff and they'll kill the parents and take over their nests for their own breeding purposes yeah and, birds um, are fucking brutal yeah, they're, they're, dude they're monsters yeah yeah they're they're dickheads <laughs> yeah <laughs> for absolutely sure. but but yeah mm-hmm. i mean like um like having a kestrel like having a kestrel or a merlin and hunting starlings and sparrows uh, with with those species of raptor or is really fun as well um that's best done like around springtime whenever the starlings and sparrows are are breeding as well and um yeah i mean there's there's all kinds of options you just have to identify which which animals are are the most readily available to hunt in your area and uh, gotcha. and all that stuff too and and pick a bird that's suitable to that and otherwise you're just going to kind of have you know and exercise and futility. I mean, it's it's just going to be frustrating for you and the birds. So, sure. So, I've got a couple of questions for you. W- number one sure. is going to seem extremely elementary, and and forgive my ignorance, but what's the difference between? I'm sure I could look this up, but I want to get it from you. What's the difference between a hawk and a falcon? Oh, okay. Yeah, I mean, it's it. That's in a way, it's. I mean, they're both raptors, but, you know, it's kind of like uh, the best way I can describe it is they're both raptors, but they're still completely different, technically completely different species and type of bird. Um, you know, like they also have completely different hunting styles for the most part. And uh, just the um, genetic makeup and just overall like morphology of of the of the two types of birds i mean they're just completely different um you know Same somewhat genus but to a yeah certain yeah they, they can't yeah, interbreed I mean, like, though a falcon and a hawk no no you're okay. not you're not ever going to see that now now what you will see though is you can interbreed two different species um of like hawks or two sure. different species of falcons you, you see that done a lot right um but I mean, just in in long and short of it is is they're they're different. I mean, they're they're kind of two different, completely different things. You know, even is, though they're both raptors. You know, is there one big characteristic that that one or the other has that can make it very easily identifiable? If you see a big bird flying overhead, is there a quick way that you can tell whether it's a falcon or a hawk? Sure. Yeah. Actually, like um the uh like the the way their wings are shaped and the way they're um their sears or their, you know, like the, I don't know, like for layman's terms, I guess you, you know, you say their beaks or whatever. Yeah. Um, so like a falcon, so like a falcon's head is like, and the sear is, is shaped differently than a hawk. So like a falcon's beak is, or sear is shaped in a way it's like shorter and more curved. And the way that it's shaped 
is the, the reason why it's shaped like that is because evolution has made them basically like neck breakers. Like, so, so the, the falcon, falcon has a falcon shorter, more is, curved. Yeah. Yeah. More okay. curved beak, kind of like a hook, like more, more hooked, more hooked. Okay. Um, yeah. You know, got sear. it. Uh-huh. So like, so like the way, the way like a falcon hunts typically, or most species hunt is, you know, ambushed by stooping, stu- or stooping, stooping, <laughs> uh, stooping their prey, you know, so they'll get above their prey and then they'll fold up like a, like a bullet or, you know, like a rocket or bomber or whatever. And they'll just like, sh- just swoop down over, you know, uh, like a pigeon or a different type of bird or whatever. And they'll just smack the shit out of it and stun it. And if, it, if, if the impact doesn't kill, um, the other bird on impact, then they'll bind to it and they'll get up on its neck and use their, their curved, you know, sharp, you know, sear to break the prey items neck. Sure. And so that's, that, that's how they, they hunt. Um, now hawks are a little bit, a little longer and more pronounced and, uh, you know, their heads are, are shaped a little bit like boxier, bigger, you know, so to speak. And, um, you know, like Falcon's wings are really long and pointy, you know, kind of, that's why I call them kind of like long wings or whatever. They're like they're shaped a little bit more narrow and pointier. Mm-hmm. Um, but Hawks wings are much wider and more broad, which like, you know, um, one of those types of species of, of Hawk, like your red tails and your, um, you know, species like that, they're, they're called broad wings actually. And then like, um, you know, you have like your other types of Hawks that are called like excipitors. And those are also kind of called short wings, which they have a little bit wider wings as well, but they're shorter in length, which makes them really quick, like fast, um, initial burst, like sure. Ambush yeah, yeah, yeah. type like predators. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah. And then, so you can usually identify, you know, when you're looking up in the sky and one's flying over you, if it's got, you know, broader wings and, um, you know, I mean, it can be varying lengths or whatever. It's probably like, you know, a hawk of some kind, but if one's flying over and the wings look a little bit more, you know, uh, like narrower and, and more, you know, pointy longer then yeah. it's, it's most likely a Falcon. Okay. Um, so the Falcon but, has the, uh, it looks more like the fucking bat signal, Batman signal. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of. Yeah. Or like, um, or like a stealth bomber, you know, kind of in, right. in shape. Okay. Um, yeah, yeah. And, I got you. Yeah. And I mean, like I said, there's, there's different ways that you can go about it, but they're about, you know, identifying it also. But, um, those are the most easy ways to, of course, you're going to need some binos and, <laughs> or, or something to, to kind of get a closer, you know, look, but for sure. Um, I, that's one thing I love doing when I'm at home in Colorado, we have a lot of Hawks that fly overhead and occasionally, uh, eagles, but I, I like sitting on my patio mm-hmm. and I have my binoculars out there and it's really fun to peep at birds flying overhead with the binoculars. Cause you, you get an infinitely better look at them than with your naked eye. It's so cool when you can actually see the, the spotted patterns on them and, you know, actually get a good look at their wings. Mm-hmm. Man, optics are so yeah, fucking cool. We're so spoiled. <laughs> we are. Yeah, I mean, if you, it's amazing what you can see and how close you can see it if you get like a really decent like spotting scope or you know uh, 
really like just really capable, you know, set of binoculars. Like the amount of zoom that you can get and clarity is pretty amazing. It's incredible. Yeah. It's super cool. And so this other question that I have for you, um, you know, binoculars, it's almost like having eagle eyes. And I wanted to ask you about mm-hmm. eagles. Are you able to train uh-huh. and hunt with eagles as well? Can you do it with other um, big birds yes. like vultures, eagles, things like that? Not not really so much vultures and stuff because they're not really hunters. They're like carrion yeah. birds. Sure, yeah, instinctually so, it's mean, not in their nature. I, I totally get that. But yeah, eagles. I mean, they, yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah, there's um there's um gosh, I don't know the exact number, but there are like a handful of, you know, semi-well-known eagle hunters uh in our country right now. Um I know a wow. couple of them. Um mm-hmm. they're they primarily hunt with golden eagles. Um sure. I, I don't know how familiar familiar you are with with uh with golden eagles, but they're they're the the most it's it's kind of a of a of a tricky tricky question because the way the regs have changed over the years in falconry mm-hmm. you used to be able to get them a lot more readily but because of some things that happened in the past um the the ability to take golden eagles for falconry is there's a lot more hoops to jump through now and you have to get you kind of have to go the route of um, getting like a depredation permit to get one these days uh, because they, I don't know, they're just a lot more strict and finicky on on eagle take right now. Sure. Um, yeah, golden eagles are fucking enormous too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, I've I've held one before. Um, it, it's it literally after about five minutes, I felt like my arm was going to fall off. <laughs> You know, oh yeah, they're, dude. They're, that's a they're heavy big bird. birds. I mean, go ahead. Can you train those things to to hunt bigger things oh, totally. like yeah, yeah. deer and and things like that? You can, but the most practical species to really hunt with a, an eagle are uh, jackrabbits. Um, okay, it seems like you know in a lot of ways. Seems like in a lot of ways, like they're more tailored to um, to hunt jackrabbits because I don't know. Like there's there's just certain there's certain prey species that I don't know. You know how it is, like if, you know, with nature. Like predators are just I don't know. It's like one's almost made for the other. Um, sure. Yeah. And, yeah. You know, jackra- jackrabbits kind of fall into that category for eagles. Now, if you're flying them in Europe and you're like hunting, you know, some of the smaller deer species, like roe deer and stuff like that, um, mm-hmm. that's more practical than say you know, a traditional like white tailed deer or, you know, um, yeah, it'd have to be a super tiny baby. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, but I mean, there have been, I, I mean, I, I know there have been circumstances where full grown, full grown deer and, and coyotes and stuff like that have been caught, you know, with them, um, you know, barring, barring, uh, you know, extenuating circumstances, which, and you know, fortunately and unfortunately, I have encountered personally. It's uh, it's it's really hard to take you know something like a like a coyote or something like that. Um, sure. You know, with a much smaller bird, it's just not it's not going to usually end very well. <laughs> um, 
hunt those things with goldens, but number one, they're a lot more hard to find like continuous like slips on, you know, like it's a lot harder to, to figure out, like, you know, get a, get a steady dose of hunting coyotes as opposed to jackrabbits, for instance. Sure. Yeah. And yeah. so that's another factor as well. But, um, but yeah, I mean like, you know, the Mongolians, you know, they still hunt, you know, Fox and, um, you know, stuff like that with their goldens. Um, yeah, and, man. You know, other so places crazy. in Europe, they, they, they hunt like, yeah, yeah. They hunt smaller deer and stuff and, and, in other parts of Europe with, with goldens and, but yeah, mostly in our country, it's, it's mainly jackrabbits and you get some really good flights that way and, and see some really cool stuff. They'll also, a lot of, a lot of people will also incorporate, um, you know, sight hounds and, um, you know, stuff along with their, you know, to, to hunt with their eagles as well to keep the rabbits running. Um, sure. Yeah, for sure. That's smart. Yeah. Jackrabbits are fucking huge, man. I, I saw a rabbit one time on my way back home from fishing, uh, in Colorado. And I saw this, <laughs> my buddy we saw this thing run across the road. He was like, dude, what the hell was that thing? Like, I don't know. <laughs> it was big though. Like that wasn't a cat. It wasn't a dog. What the fuck was that? So we like backed up. <laughs> We're in the middle of nowhere. So it wasn't a big deal to just back up and go in reverse. And then we caught a right. glimpse of it. It was this fucking rabbit that was like the size of a, a, a gigantic house cat. Thing must have been like, I don't know, 30 pounds or something. A 30 pound rabbit is, uh, that's a full couple of meals right there. <laughs> most most jackrabbits are in like the um, like five to eight pound ish range. Um, if, dude, if you, if you saw a 30 pound jackrabbit, then you saw like, you, you, probably, you probably it was the biggest rabbit unicorn. i've ever seen in my entire life yeah it, it was like um oh, it was like the size of a manhole cover it was fucking enormous and, and uh we saw a pack of we saw a pack of coyotes um uh, not like two minutes later we're like oh okay that rabbit's definitely gonna uh-huh. get got tonight <laughs> yeah someone was uh someone was hunting for din din that's for sure if that is the case but uh but uh, I mean, I've I've caught jackrabbits before with uh, with the Harris hawks that I've flown, and uh, you know what's funny about them is those things growl. Like, oh you, really? You need to hear a jackrabbit. Yeah, you need to hear a jackrabbit growl sometimes. They sound like a sound almost like a small <laughs> dog. Like when they when they growl, because yeah. like it's it's funny. Like you know, jackrabbits. I mean, jackrabbits and cottontails and other rabbits. I mean, their main form of defense is just outmaneuvering and. It's funny those, because those legs are long you know, I mean, in the back. Oh dude, they're they're they are so fast and they know like they're they're so smart too. Like all prey species eventually just end up getting real smart. And the predators that don't get smarter in the way they hunt, well, they're the ones that usually end up dying. But right. But yeah, I mean like these jackrabbits and and these rabbits are smart enough, like they also know they, they learn like um you know, like to incorporate the wind and other factors and, you know, just different cover and stuff. But like, you know, they, they start to learn, like if you're, if you're hunting a jackrabbit, then, you know, you, ideally you start, you want it to like eventually turn down wind because it gives the bird, you know, a, a, a speed advantage, you know, going with the wind whenever it's trying to, to catch the, the rabbit, but they'll, but they're so smart. Most of them will turn into the wind so they'll they'll easily be able to outrun the bird because it's having to struggle and fight against like the wind speed and stuff too. Sure, it's really fascinating, like seeing how these how these animals evolve to 
to learn how to survive. But, but yeah, like it's funny, like when a bird ends up getting on like a, a rabbit to try or a jackrabbit to try and catch it or whatever, I think it'll turn around and start growling at it and shit. It does. It sounds, it sounds like a small, like a small damn dog just trying to, you know, intimidate something. It, it, it's, it's really kind of funny to listen to, but, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's interesting for sure. Like seeing the, the dynamics and those flights. Yeah, it's completely, I'm fascinated by it. I I think it's so crazy that you can take a wild animal that's, you know, basically a fucking flying monster, a flying reptile and, and train it to do your bidding. Um, but when it catches something, does the bird kill it or do you have to go up and kill it or how does it how does it go after it's taken down so like a lot of times like if if you're hunting with falcons um a lot of times whatever it catches is going to be dead by the time you get to it because it's broken its neck or whatever mm-hmm. it's like falcons are almost like even though it's still brutal falcons seem to be more humane <laughs> in, in that way like and, right. and it's and it makes sense you know they, they have to I mean, especially if they're if they're catching something from the air, like they need to kill whatever they're they're killing quickly and get out of sight to avoid other you know birds trying to steal their food or other predators and stuff. Like hawks, hawks are different. Like in the wild, they'll catch something and you know the, they'll just like eat it to death. <laughs> I mean, it's yeah, and eat so, it alive, right? To, so. Yeah, yeah, and then eventually animal just dies of shock or whatever. I mean, Ugh, it's, it's brutal, God. you know. That's how um, most life ends like, on this planet. We're so lucky to be out of the food chain. Oh, for sure. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I, I, I could only, I could only imagine being reincarnated as like a rabbit or some shit. Like, oh my God, there would be some, some, some higher power would just have to hate you, <laughs> like, like yeah. really you, hate you. But um, you would fuck, you would fuck a lot, and then you would die a very painful death. <laughs> <laughs> pretty much it's the yeah the <laughs> quote unquote lion, the, the lion king circle of life it's for sure yeah but mm-hmm. but no like if you're hunting with hawks and stuff like and it catches a rabbit then the most humane thing to do and and something that that is taught and and very encouraged and it's frowned upon if you don't for sure like you're you're just kind of being an asshole if you let the thing suffer so you go up and you dispatch the uh the rabbit or whatever it's caught as quickly as possible and, and, you know, put it out of its misery and then you let your bird feed up on it maybe, or, um, you know, the next, the next question usually it spawns from that is, well, how do you get it off of it? <laughs> and, sure. uh, and you know, there, there's a, there's a technique to go about doing that too. Um, you know, I mean, if you, if you want the bird to get positive reinforcement, you can let it feed up on the rabbit or whatever for a bit, or you can train it to, you know, say, okay, I'm catching this rabbit, but it's so I can get this other food that I'm used to getting, you sure. know, as a reward. So mm-hmm. you'll toss maybe like, you know, a day old chick or whatever you're like a little bit of quail or, or whatever it is you're feeding your bird on the reg. And, um, you know, you just basically you cover up, um, whatever it's caught rabbit, squirrel, whatever. And, um, then you like toss, you know, a day old chick or a food item like off to the side and like, whenever you cover up is, is, is funny as it sounds. And as smart as these things are at hunting, there's, they're really not that bright. So, so like if you cover up the rabbit or whatever that it's on, it's like, it's out of sight, out of mind. And if you toss another food item to the side, it'll come off, you know, the rabbit or whatever you caught and go eat that item 
and then you hurry up and put the the rabbit or whatever it caught in your in your game bag and um then you let it finish eating you know whatever you tossed it and then you pick it up and you know you either go home or keep hunting or yeah it's like a dinosaur (laughs) yeah yeah it's very very (laughs) single-minded Being prey has to be, uh, especially prey for a bird, has to be the most terrifying shit ever. You, you, you're you hanging out all day trying to find food and trying to not get eaten. And the whole time you have to worry about this thing that flies and just storms overhead from the sky to come and snatch you up and eat you alive. Like, that's fucking horrifying. <laughs> <laughs> well, and and you know what's what's even more horrifying is to think that there were actually there were actually things on this planet that could easily do that to us. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, we're so lucky to be out of the food chain, so to speak. The thing that's great about a bird is its renewable resource. You you can grow mm-hmm. or find more birds, but like if you run out of bullets, that's it. You know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you still have to to take the time, effort, and energy to to train it, you know, which takes anywhere from a couple weeks to a month on average. That's it, though? Only a month? Yeah, I mean, on average. Wow, that's way faster than I would have thought. Yeah, I mean, some birds, some birds, if you you find a a hidden gem or, you know, one of the, um, you know, the lower percentile, you know, type of rare birds that just seems to be you know, a perfect fit for falconry, then it could even take less time. I mean, there's, there's been guys, I mean, there's guys that I know that have like, um, you know, a week to, you know, nine to hell, even like a 14 day rule. I mean, there's a lot of guys, this is like, if I don't have my bird out and hunting within like nine, 10 days, something like that, then, then I just go get a different one, (laughs) you know? Wow. Um, that's way faster than I would have imagined because I, I mean, I've had dogs and stuff and, dogs take way longer to train than that oh yeah oh shit yeah i mean like honestly it's like to train a hunting dog it's gonna take i mean it's gonna take more time to train a hunting dog than it is a a raptor i mean because sure i mean when you think about it i mean if if you get a passage bird you know if you trap a bird from the wild i mean the thing's already been hunting it's already been killing you know it's already it already knows how to hunt it just doesn't know that it has a an added benefit of like having you there to help it hunt easier yet. I mean, that's all you're really doing is, is uh, all you're really doing is, is training a bird to accept you and to understand that, Oh dude, this, this dude's kicking up rabbits for me. This is freaking awesome. (laughs) You know? And uh, once it figures that out, then it's, then it's game on, you know, but that's, that's, that's basically all you're doing. I mean, yeah, you're, you're taking advantage of what it already just does naturally. You're not trying to like with a dog, train it to do something that it normally wouldn't do if you didn't train it like with a hunting dog, you know, um, some dog that that's good at tracking things. Like who knows if it would actually do that. If, if you never encouraged its behavior to go in that direction, whereas a hawk, yeah, I totally get it. It's, you're just, you know, taking advantage of nature. What, you know, in, in not in a fucked up way. Right. Yeah. Cause I mean, the thing that, I mean, the, the thing is, it's like, I mean, obviously you're going to do research with dogs and, and identify like bloodlines that are going to be more apt to naturally do what you want it to do. Right. Well, you can't really do that with a hawk. Like it's in the wild, you just have to trap one and see how it mans down and then, you know, hope it works out for the best. But ideally, 
you know, the great, the great thing about it is, you know, what a lot of people don't realize is like, you know, 75, 80%, you know, on average of, of all birds, you know, they, they die in their first year of life. So, um, you know, I mean, if, if you, if you train one to hunt and it goes well and, you know, you release it back into the wild, which a lot of people do, then, you know, you've, you've added to the conservation effort. And if you have something unfortunate happen and it dies, well, there was a 75 to 80% chance that, you know, it was going to die its first year anyway. And you're not really <clears throat> taking away from nature's like breeding, breeding stock by doing that. Yeah, for sure. But yeah, man, it's, it's, it's a lot of fun. Um, it's also a lot of work and can also be a lot of frustration and, uh, anguish <laughs> to say the least, but but yeah, yeah, I, I mean, imagine. I would, I would love to have you out and I, I always love to see the look on people's faces when they see it for the first time, like in person. Yeah. It's a fucking trip, dude. You you have a, you have a monster that's practically, you have a monster on a leash, you know, <laughs> it's amazing. <laughs> well, and that's, that's the ironic thing too, is whenever you're hunting, man, that thing's, that thing's not connected to nothing. If that thing wants to take off, it will. You know, there's there's nothing that says it's going to come back to you afterwards. And for that's, sure, that's yeah. what's cool is you know when it's it trusting every time you. it chooses to come back to you. Yeah, 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 for sure. Yeah, every time it chooses to come back, it's like a win. <laughs> you know, absolutely. But, yeah, because uh, <laughs> you're right. I understand. It's not it's not physically on a leash. It, it can just bail anytime it wishes, and, and it's a fucking bird. Like not yet. It'll be fi- it'll be fine without you. Yep. Oh, exactly. Yeah, it was it was fine without you before you came along, at least up until that point, you know. And and uh, yeah, I mean, the only time that thing's on a leash is whenever you're walking back to the walking back to the truck, <laughs> you know, after your hunt's sure. done. And do you, and where where do you keep it? Well, you have to build a, as part of the whole process too. You have to build like a facility for it. Um, so you you have to build like you know what they the falconry term or a bird term for the structure is called a mew. Mm-hmm. And, um, it's basically a, you know, the falconry or hawk term for a, you know, hawk house. And you have to like, um, you know, just build like, you know, for an average size bird, you know, like red tails and stuff like that, you know, an eight by eight by eight enclosure with a couple of perches and you have to have a, a water pan and stuff in there in case it wants to drink sure. or bathe and, and, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. So then you keep it, you know, out outside i mean some people keep their birds in their houses um depending on the well, species that's easier said than done <laughs> yeah uh because i didn't know if you knew this also but like uh hawks they they do what's called slicing that's where they lift up their tail feathers and they just shoot out this bullet of, of crap and pee <laughs> mm-hmm. so they'll i mean they shoot it they they shoot it like far i mean really far potentially yeah, and most falcons, the benefit the benefit to them is they 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 mute, they like crap straight down. So like it's actually mm. like most species anyway. Um, peregrines right. and and some other species can still shoot it fairly decent amount of distance, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but if you want to keep a falcon in the in in the, in the house, it's easier because they usually just crap straight down, <clears throat> and you can catch it in like a you know like a pan or something you know with some either cat litter or some you know equine pellets or something like that, but. Sure. But anyway. Or if you're German on so. a clear plate that you're lying under. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just, well, just kidding, know. Germans. We we we. <laughs> but but sort of kind of not. You know? <laughs> Th- those are a people that you no, don't want to make mad. For sure. 
for sure. <laughs> and we we have we we have we have plenty of German friends. We we know how they are. You know, of course, when we love them. But <laughs> yeah, no, German but, people uh, are hilarious. They're they're so brutally honest well, much of the time. It's it's great. That's why I, I, I like, like them that. so much. That's why I like yeah, them. they're very blunt. Yeah, I mean, very much so. But but yeah, man. I mean, do, is there any you know anything else that you're you're curious about before we uh, <clears throat> you know or, or want to just kind of shoot the shit about here real quick before we we kind of call this good and and go on about our business for the day or. Well, I am curious. You you have a six string bass, right? Or seven. is it seven? <clears throat> so yeah, I've got two. I've got two two sevens. Yeah, yeah, that's fucking insane, dude. Okay, so I am curious about this. <laughs> From the fattest string mm-hmm. to the skinniest string, what is the tuning? Uh huh. Um, F sharp to high C. So basically, it's like um, that's standard if you if you tune standard. So and the, the way I do it anyway, and like um, guys like Yurun um, and uh, you know other seven string players, a lot of guys have low F sharp to to high C. So it's low F sharp, B, E A D G C. Ah, okay, got it. Damn, and guys F like you sharp, know like, that, like that's so fucking low. Yeah, it's uh, I use about a one seventy five gauge string for that. Wow, it's huge. Yeah, just <laughs> e- even just uh, boring out the nut to to hold a string of that size has got to be a special request. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they they make nuts with it. You can always file it down if it's not set up that way. But but you know, guys like Jeff Huell and and other guys also they they play sevens but they actually do more of a standard like a higher tuning so like he tunes his b to high f so his mm. is b e a d g c high f so he goes Damn. higher instead of lower yeah well that low that f sharp through an amplifier mm-hmm. is that just like a completely insane feeling tone to like shake your skeleton you know, to a, a tone that low it it can for sure, um, you know, <laughs> it, it it definitely can. Um, the trick is you know finding you know decent, um, you know decent amps and cabinets that'll that'll translate it. Sure. Um, but you know, I to be honest, like I was surprised at it. You know, I mean, it was it was easier to hear you know in mixes and stuff than I thought it would be and well, actually you know it's it's funny you bring it up too because like in the one project I'm in right now um we actually double drop <laughs> it's it's kind of we so we go we actually go EA EADGC for the tuning in, in that project EA so I actually tune the low F sharp okay mm-hmm yeah, so so like we 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 du- we drop the the E and the A strings. So like basically like the low F sharp I'll tune down to E and the low B I'll tune down to A. So it right. like almost acts as like a double drop kind of scenario for like the standard E and A strings. Yeah, it's like uh you have an, a built-in octaver down there. <laughs> yeah, basically, basically. That's, yeah, that's yeah. kind of rad. <laughs> it, 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 yeah, it's 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 kind of interesting. Like I I thought it would be harder to hear like the low F sharp and or like tune down stuff. I mean, if you you know how it is, man. I mean, you you mix and and do all that stuff too. You know, you mm-hmm. you do audio engineering and and all that kind of stuff too. So I mean, 
you, you know that you can carve out almost almost anything you want to a certain degree with with EQ and make things present. I mean, you know, I mean, I'm I'm kind of like you. I like adding a lot of like 1K and, and stuff to to bass to make it growlier and and to stick out more in the mid range. Yeah, that's the right around that and, um, boing the boing sound. Mm-hmm. And you and and with the lower tune strings like that, you do need a, a lot of that to kind of bring out the um you know the attack of those lower strings and for sure you know for for sure but but um but yeah man um yeah so that's how i that's how i tune my stuff and is you know it, is it flat wound <laughs> on those humongous strings are they flat wound or round no they're round wounds and um i probably honestly should use flat round flat flat wounds for my fretless but i use rounds on on that as well Interesting. Um, and it doesn't dig in and like fuck up the fretboard? Well, I mean, it does make marks for sure. But, okay. and, you know, I mean, over time, over time, you might have to do some light sanding to get those out if you really want. But I mean, the sure. only, the, honestly, the only strings, the only strings that I really notice that happening are the two lowest ones. The yeah, rest those are the only ones I would really, think. Yeah. I mean, those are the only two that, that seem to really, and, and it's honestly only like the first, you know, five to seven frets or whatever. Cause this is honestly the, the only, you know, f- fret range that I really use those lower strings anyway, you know, a lot of times, but, um, but yeah, man, like I, the, the other, the other problem you run into, of course, as you know, too, when you start getting into that, that kind of gauge and you're starting to get into a lot of custom string issues. So oh, yeah, you know, I play GHS strings, but yeah, <laughs> I, you know, like GHS makes, you know, the strings that, I play, I play, you know, them because they're one of the few companies that I was able to find that actually will, you know, provide good customer service along with actually making this, the gauges that I want. So, sure. Um, yeah, know, that's like, a hard gauge right to now find a string a, for. <laughs> it's like a fucking yeah, bracelet. Yeah, it's like jewelry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's like a telephone cable or some shit, but mm-hmm. but yeah, it's um it's it's funny, man. Like it's it's hard to find um but you know, I mean like uh I used to play um Calium strings too and they're good strings, but I I couldn't ever get in touch with anybody, you know, if I needed anything. Like Sure. You know, so I mean, you know how it is, man, like, you know, finding a finding companies that have reps that that are that are easily accessible and stuff, or it's just, it's like, like once again, it's like finding unicorns. Like it's, it's hard to, you know, <laughs> like if you get a relationship like that, you don't want to let it go. So for uh, sure. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, <clears throat> I was wanting to try some flat round, flat wounds for my fretless just to see, you know, cause I mean, I've, I've tried them before, but I didn't really like the feel so much, but I was wanting to try them again. And right now, I mean, with the way companies are, they're just, they're barely, you know, some are keeping so busy that that they're having a hard time keeping up since everybody's playing at home and going through strings yeah, the, quicker and stuff. Like, yeah, the ones that make recording gear and headphones and microphones and stuff are cleaning house right now. They're ki- yeah, yeah, they're killing it right now, and good for them, you know. But but unfortunately, that means they also can't make custom one seventy five gauge flat wounds for for some poor <laughs> bastards like me too. So so I'm just sure. gonna stick to the round wounds for a while and and uh I actually um a friend of mine also made a uh a custom nine string bass that I ended up buying from him. Whoa. I haven't really gotten a chance to to mess around with it very much, but I'm gonna have a hell of a time finding 
you know, uh, custom strings, you know, people I make custom strings for it. Um, you know, like normally I think, you know, GHS would for me, but right now they're just, they just can't keep up with their normal demand. So, um, right. You know, I, yeah, but that, that nine string is, is free. It's fan fret also or multi-scale or whatever, you know? So oh my God. It's, um, looks like yeah, a psychedelic it's, it's, chess you know, board. When I was pl- <laughs> <laughs> that it really is. It really super is. Wide, was- man. Oh, it is, dude. Like I can barely, I can barely get my my fingers up to the lowest string. But I was just gonna get it to. Well, a good friend of mine's the one that made it, you know. So I, and it's the only one he ever made for him and his company or whatever. So I, I just wanted it to have it more so than anything. But I also, you know, was gonna tinker around with doing some cording and some tapping and stuff with it. And tapping whatever, seems but, like what um, it's made for. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, I, I unfortunately with as much traveling as I'm, you know, I, that's the other thing too with a with a good with a base like that, you you have a hell of a time finding a case for it too. Like you almost have to get a keyboard case for the son of a bitch. So, <laughs> I I yeah, haven't trusted definitely. Uh, yeah, I have, yeah, I haven't trusted being able to to travel with it to really mess with it a whole lot because I don't have anything to protect it with yet. So, yeah. sure, but uh, you you'll have to send me a picture I'll send you of that some thing. pictures. Yeah. Oh yeah, I for sure. That I definitely like. will. <laughs> I definitely Killer, will, dude. but but yeah, yeah. Well, how's I I'm mean, real, I wanted to ask you real quick too, like Yeah, hit me. Oh, sorry, go ahead. Oh yeah. So, I mean, how's the how's your I mean, you you had a signature and stuff made not too long ago, didn't you? Like within the last year or two or something ago or like how's not, how's all that going? Not necessarily a signature model yet, but I've got a custom shop guitar okay. from ESP and I'm currently waiting on the Okay next version to come through um there was a couple things that weren't quite uh, the way i wanted with the body and stuff so i'm waiting on the second Mm -hmm. version to come through at some point covid happened and then you know that just threw off the whole timeline of when i thought i was going to get the new guitar but i'm waiting for that to show up and then once it does show up if it's right you know and everything's cool with it i'm uh i would love to eventually have it become a signature model, but at the moment, that's just a, an idea. It's not something that's actively in the works, but I've talked with ESP about doing it, and it's a possibility. It's not a definite yes, it's not a definite no, but I'm hoping that someday there can be some sort of a explorer-type shape ESP model that people can buy at a store that uh, I helped design. That would be the coolest thing ever. Isn't that like almost every guitarist or bassist kind of like, you know, wet dream, basically. Absolutely. Is to have their own like signature instrument at some point. <laughs> yeah, it'd be the coolest yeah. shit ever. You know, I, yeah, no, I'm, I hope it I hope it happens for you at some point. You know, I mean, I my fingers crossed, you know, I, I hope that at least by next year, things will start picking up again. But, you know, we'll see what happens. But I mean, what 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 kind of uh, what kind of specs are you putting in that? What kind of woods and stuff are you having them use in that? Out of curiosity. Well, the body is made of mahogany, but it has a maple cap, so it's got you know some snappy top end, but it also is beefy and girthy sounding from the mahogany. And then the the neck is made of maple for some more snap and attack and high end. The fretboard is made uh-huh. of ebony. It's got 22 frets, uh, reverse headstock. It's kind of like an explorer type shape, but not exactly. 
Um, okay. It's kind of a blend between like an Explorer and ESP's EX model. It's kind of like a, almost like an Explorer EX that doesn't have any curvature is what I'm fingers crossed hoping is going to show up at some point. But reverse headstock, stainless steel, 22 frets, one humbucker pickup. It's an EMG H4, which is a passive pickup that EMG makes that I really love. Just one knob for master volume. Locking tuners just to speed up uh, string changes. And a Floyd Rose. Good deal. Yeah. I mean, have you, um, did you uh, like record the latest stuff with, with that? Or did you use something different? I did not have it at the time that we did the recording. So on our new record, V that came out in May, I used my white ESP EX. We shot out like five different guitars, and um, that was the best sounding one. So we decided to use that for all the rhythm guitars. Nice, nice. Yeah, it was cool that you guys got a chance to uh, go down and, and do that with, uh, with the old Lark Mewis you know, Lark down in Nashville. Mewis. Yeah, yeah. Um, he's got a really good ear, <laughs> and he's a complete maniac when it comes to capturing the right sounds and stuff which i appreciate as an audio engineer it was fun to sit back and like watch you know some of the decisions get made and listen for some of the things that he's listening for and we went completely bananas on the guitar tone searches when it was um you know time to hunt down the right guitar sounds we shot out five different guitars i think we tried out like 10 different speakers and we tried out, I think, 13 different amplifiers. We went crazy. And we nice. even tried different microphones on it. So like, it was a gigantic science experiment, but it was time well spent in my mind because I learned a lot. I actually know what a lot of different Celestian speakers sound like now, and I'm way familiar with mm-hmm. what you know over a dozen amplifiers sound like. It was, uh, it was a big nice. project to, to hunt down the tone, but the tone quest was well worth it. Very cool. Yeah, I uh, I learned a lot from from Mark as well. I mean, I actually got to know him because he came and actually recorded um, an EP for my old band, like, and was in my basement for <laughs> for about a week. It was like oh, awesome. the last house we lived in, like you know, like eight to well, probably more like ten years ago now, almost. But but yeah, Mark's a good dude. I like Mark a lot. Cool. That's that's really cool that you worked with him. I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I like I said. I mean, my my old band, like my buddy Alex Morgan, you know, from my old band, who's been a friend of mine like our whole lives, pretty much. Like, has a good relationship with Mark and stuff too. And and uh, that's who, like I said, he's he had them had Mark come up and record an EP for you know the band after I after I left it, but I let them use my my basement and stuff for a week. Um, you know, so. They, my little shotgun shithole basement at the time, you know. <laughs> was, Damn, that's really was, generous of you. Pretty, yeah, yeah, it was, it was it was cool. I mean, I it was it was nice getting to see you know the process from someone who does it you know on a regular basis. And I mean, you you know me, man. Like you know, I've I, I do this stuff you know more way more part time than than I would like. But you know, I live more in the medical world still. But yeah, it's it's nice seeing, you know, when you can, like any kind of learning experience in that regard, for sure. You know, but yeah, uh, I learned a lot when we were doing our last record. But uh, yeah, a, a lot of time spent um, grinding on it, but it was time well spent because I learned things that I'm never going to forget and I, I can take with me in the future. So yay learning. Yay learning. Exactly. Yeah, well, 
Yeah, man. It's uh, yeah. Trust me, dude. Like it's the, this whole last year has been yay learning. It's, it seems like you know it's uh, it's been a it's been a frustrating year. There's there's been a lot of uh, a lot of crazy and a lot of stupid that I know I've personally had to deal with, and I'm sure that you have as well. So. You know, it's oh, yes. uh, it's nice to nice to be able to break the monotony up and chat with with friends and and it's been uh, it's definitely been awesome doing that today. I appreciate you taking. Um, well, hell, shit, we're almost at like an hour and a half now of time away from your sunny time in in amazing Oahu. Yes, and, uh, no problem, you know, dude. Like it's said, been I, real fun catching up. I'm really glad we did this. And I have a question yeah, for you. Me, me too. Sure. Do you mind if we do a little like swap cast? Would you mind if I posted this up on Riffs or Die at some point? Oh no, of course, man. Yeah, anything you uh, anything you want to do. If you want to, if you want to take that, I can send you my audio file, and uh, and you can feel free to uh, to make an episode out of it if if you wish. That would, you know, I'd love that for sure. So sweet, hell yeah, that would be great to do some cross pollination. When when do you imagine this thing's gonna drop? Um, probably next week. Um, probably, probably early next week, actually, I'm, I'm going to be home this weekend and I'll probably try and drop it on, I don't know, somewhere between like Sunday to Tuesday, somewhere around there. I've, I've, I've been trying to, yeah, yeah. I've I've been trying to do these like bi-weekly, um, just so I don't, you know, I wanted to get like a good year out of, out of all the people that I know, (laughs) you know what I mean? Like I figured I could do that if I stuck to buy to bi-weekly, if, if I start, if I start getting kind of like the um, the testicular fortitude up to do what you've been doing and do some some more, <laughs> some like solo episodes or something, then um, mm-hmm. then maybe I can start doing more like weekly. But um, but honestly, with with my schedule and doing all this traveling stuff and uh, still doing like my falconry podcast too. Um, yeah, you're very busy. You know, it's been yeah, dude. Like it's 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 honestly biweekly for this has been totally enough <laughs> you know what i mean and uh absolutely i, I still haven't sure. uh i still haven't haven't got a huge um listener base yet either so you know i'm hoping that that will kind of start to steadily grow a little bit over the next i don't know hopefully year or so and if it doesn't it doesn't really matter i'm still going to continue doing it because i like doing it anyway but you know yeah it's fun you know it but i really hope that i can post it up and maybe get a few more people checking out your stuff yeah, you no, you know a lot of cool people. Be, you know the the two of us like we we know a lot of people in common and we know a lot of cool people in common. So I, I'm gonna have to definitely dive dive into some of your back catalog and see if you got any talks with people I know. <laughs> oh yeah, oh tr- trust me, trust me, I have. <laughs> yeah, pretty, most of the most of the people that I've done talks with so far are people that you all that you all know for sure. Um, right. I actually started yeah. this off with like having. Like the the first the few episodes that I did, um, like last year at at Nam, uh, the first few episodes were actually from that. And like I said, that it's like I think the first few were like Devin and um, like Tanya and and Derek Green and uh, Killer. Yeah, you know, I mean you, you'll re- you, you'll recognize everybody. You know. So. Yeah. Hell yeah. But, I'm uh, definitely going to be checking out some of your back catalog. Yeah, and you should you should um you should go over and and check out the the Falconry podcast too, man. Like you'd really dig I, it. Because I think I think I will, man. It, it's a completely fascinating foreign world to me. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's 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 cool getting to hear like the stories of how all these different falconers like got started and where their initial interest came and 
and, you know, talk about, you know, it's different birds that they, you know, enjoy flying and, you know, different stuff like that. I think you would, I think you would enjoy it. Um, so yeah, we've, we've, we're like 47 episodes in on that podcast. So you'll have a, damn, <laughs> you'll, have, you'll, you'll have a, yeah. I mean, me and me and my, my other buddy Israel that, that do it. Um, you know, we just kind of swap, you know, taking episodes here and there and when we can. And, but I mean, if you're interested and you find it fascinating, I'm sure that you would, you know, enjoy it to some extent anyway, you know? But, yeah. Uh, I'm going to have to check yeah, it out. Man. What, what is yeah. the falconry podcast called? It's called Falconry Told, and it's Falconry on Spotify Told. and everything else, too. Yep, Falconry Beautiful. Told. All right, cool. Yep, yep. Well, hell yeah, dude. It well, was really it, fun catching up yeah. with you, and I, I would love to do it again one of these days. And thanks for letting me oh, do the sure. swap cast here with you. Oh, yeah, man. That'll be, it'll be awesome, dude. I am, um, like I said, I hope that, you know, your listener base might get something out of it or find some things interesting, you know, um, Absolutely. Like I, said, I yeah. You know, I I don't I don't have near the um you know the the overall um I don't know I know ability. I, <laughs> I guess you could say like I, I'm not anywhere near as well known as, as you are in you know most of these different worlds that we both live in, but you know, like I said, hopefully at least some you know, some things that, you know, your listener base that you've built, you know, like I said, hopefully they find it interesting. And yeah, I mean, I would, no worries, man. I, like I said, I appreciate the time and, and, uh, yeah, I mean, anytime you want to do this, let me know. Hell yeah. sounds good. Yeah. And you've interviewed some really interesting, uh, famous people on yours. So I think people will definitely be interested to, to hear what you've discussed with some of those people. Like I had Derek Green on here and it was a great talk. Devin Townsend's a super yeah, interesting yeah. guy. They're, yeah, you you know a lot of really interesting people, so I'll urge uh, people yeah, on yeah. my end to to go peep it. Yeah, like I said, I I try and you know I don't like you know talking specific shop like you know music 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 and crap all the time or whatever. I, I like talking to you know just like I said like like I would with any of of my friends you know and and um, like I said hopefully. Hopefully there's there's things that, that people can get out of it and um you know if nothing else just be entertained for a little bit you know so like I said put your mind you know, at ease exactly my friend so just sit back and let let Johnny and David take you for a ride <laughs> sorry go ahead <laughs> <laughs> it's all good man no but but yeah so cool yeah I'll send you this file after we get done and and um and yeah like I said you know, thank you again. And, um, you know, stay safe in, in Hawaii and, uh, don't kill yourself, you know, learning how to ride waves or anything like that. I did see that, that test GoPro footage that you put up. That was kind of neat. Oh yeah. I'll, I'll, it's from uh, Waikiki beach, which is really close to where I'm at, but I'm going to be going to this other beach in a couple of days here that has insane waves. And I'll definitely take that GoPro and try to get some really cool ocean footage. Um, here this weekend so keep your eyes peeled for that i might have some really cool shit to post up on instagram killer man well i look forward to seeing it and like i said until we uh until we chat again um like i said take care it's it's been great talking to you again and and thanks again so much for taking the time for it man so yeah no problem john great catching up with you brother take care of yourself yeah and uh drive safe yeah man no i i will and uh thank you again and yeah, take care, and like I said, adios, amigo. Adios. 
All right, and that was my conversation with the one and only Mr. David Sanchez, the vocalist and one of the guitarists from the band Havoc, and also the brainchild behind the Riffs or Die podcast, which is a very intuitive and entertaining podcast that, as we mentioned before, if you haven't had a chance to check it out, you definitely should. So, like I said, I am so thankful for having you all tune in and check out the show. Hopefully, you guys are still enjoying it. I am now back home in Indiana, and it looks like I will be kind of around here for a little while, thankfully enough. I uh, managed to get home from Wyoming a couple days ago, and yeah, man, it's just going to be nice to be home for a while. Um, next assignment is going to be in Lexington, so I'll be kind of going back and forth between here and there the next few months. I'll be working uh, at a hospital there. So, you know, thank you all for uh, kind of sticking around, checking things out over the uh, the past few months since I started this whole deal up. Hope you all have been getting something out of it still. And uh, I hope you all are still healthy and safe and, you know, enjoying life, at least making the most of it while you while you're able to with the uh, with the circumstances that we've all had to live under here lately. So anyway, I uh, should have another episode here for you in, uh, I don't know, hopefully another week or two. I um, was only able to get one out last month, so apologies for that. Uh, things kind of got a little nuts for a bit. But at any rate, I should have something new next week or the week after. And uh, until then, take care, stay safe, peace out. Later on, guys. Just...